Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Noelle. And And we're we're licensed licensed to gossip. Get ready for a juicy breakdown of pop culture and the law with two attorney besties. We won't be giving any legal advice, but we are here to have a good time. So let's get into it. Here we are, episode nine. Episode nine. Noelle's lucky number. Love that. So Noelle, (laughs) (laughs) Noelle, what the fuck happened last week? So the TikTok bill that we talked about before has now been signed by the governor of Montana, which I'm sure a lot of people saw. Uh, Yikes. (laughs) Yeah. So for those who don't remember um, Mm -hmm. their, what is it, civics class in high school, that means that it's now going to go into law. It's going into effect. (laughs) Yeah, that I'm just a bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. January. Uh, January 1st. Of next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. January 1st, 2024 um, is when this is scheduled to take place. It will be enforced against companies. So like Google or App, Apple, like wherever you download your apps from. That's who the bill would be enforced against, not individuals using okay. it in Montana. And- and against TikTok, right? Like if TikTok oh, allows yeah. users to download that are in Montana, mm-hmm. then they could be fined. I think the fine was like, it wasn't that high. I think it was like $15,000. I mean, it's high, but not, but not for, for TikTok. Not for yeah. TikTok. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll see. Of course, there's going to be tons of pushback on this saying that it's a violation of First Amendment, that it's unconstitutional. So, um, you know, it's not like this is cut and dry, set in stone, but that's where we're at right now. So yeah. I know. I think we're definitely going to see some lawsuits in this area, like basically early next year. Once it starts being enforced, I'm sure that TikTok is going to sue the state of Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be shocked if they didn't. Or like TikTok or the ACLU might represent a group of like TikTok users or something like that. That's true. Um, yeah, that's a good point so. too. Well, let, I don't know if we have any Montana listeners, but let us know if we do. <laughs> what I think your we thoughts might. Are. I think we might. <laughs> We had one in South Dakota last I checked, which I was like, I don't know anyone in South Dakota. (laughs) Well, thanks. Shout out to our, uh, yeah, Midwest. Is that Midwest? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to all our Midwest listeners. (laughs) Sorry about your TikTok situation. Sorry about it, but yeah, let us know. Um, On a completely unrelated note, we have to mention our boy, Timmy. Timothée Chalamet is the new face of the Chanel men's fragrance, and it's everything, right? It's everything. I feel like we've gotten away with, we really haven't talked about Timmy very much on the pod, which I'm like proud of us. (laughs) (laughs) I could have talked about him in every episode. Um, I know, say we love Timmy for those who don't know. This is like part of how we bonded, I feel like. <laughs> Noelle introduced me, I feel. I feel you personally introduced me to Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I did. I was like, you must watch Call Me By Your Name. It's the greatest thing of all time. And, and I yeah. was so obsessed. I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite movies. It is. Hands down. Top five. I mean, I was wrecked the first time I saw that movie in 2017. I'll never forget. I I got it from Redbox. Like, went oh, up, gosh. got the DVD. Yeah, I'm one of those people. <laughs> I will still be caught going to Redbox. And I was like, all right, you know, trying to watch all the Oscar noms, prep for Oscar season. Yeah. I was wrecked like I was unwell for like a whole week and I had there was nothing else to do other than just like rewatch it for the entire week which you know that's how I like cope with 
tragedy. <laughs> I, I feel like after watching that for the first time, I was unwell for like an entire year. <laughs> but also the first time I watched it was like only a couple of months before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So, bad timing. Um, unrelated, I guess. But it's so good. And then I had it's to watch. So I had to read the book. Right. And oh, my God. Little Women. Oh, Timothy Chalamet and Little Women. Right. He's everything. Love everything he's in. But we this so Chanel campaign is Yeah. Blue the best. de Chanel. Yes. Yes. And, and Timmy speaks French, so there's like this cute yes. video of him being interviewed and it's like he's speaking in French for half the time, English, and they're kinda of comparing like New York things to mm-hmm. like Paris things kind of. They were like, like Eiffel Tower versus Empire State. <laughs> yes. And he was like, mm, Eiffel Tower, because there's more to do around the Eiffel Tower. Right. He's like, the Empire State's <laughs> in a weird part of New York. Uh, and then yeah. bagel versus croissant. I know. So, which or, bagel? Sorry, croissant. <laughs> yeah, bagel, he said, which I feel like he said people bagel. were surprised. I feel like French people are pissed about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But bagels uh, supreme. I mean, maybe yeah. that's a hot take. But he, he said that's like all he eats is bagels. Ninety five percent of his diet is bagels. Yeah, he was like Chanel's not gonna want me to be the face of their campaign anymore after this. <laughs> uh, but we love Timmy, and I'm sure the fragrance will be incred. It's gonna be a maze. It's what is the little tagline for it? It's like I don't know, men encouraging men to be deeply themselves or something like that. Mm. <laughs> Okay. I did not know right. the tagline. <laughs> I don't pay attention to I don't really care about the perfume or the, right. the we scent. We just care about Timmy. <laughs> yeah. I know. So excited. He's about to have a good year. I'm excited for all the Timmy things. Same. Dune. Come yeah. On. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Dune part two. It's gonna be so good. Zendaya, Florence Pugh. Yes. Mm. And Austin Butler too. Oh right. Course. And Austin. Yeah. Which he looks so creepy. If I you've know. seen the trailer. He looks very creepy. I'm just trying to picture him coming out on screen with his Elvis voice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm secretly still hoping it, like, pops up just very subtly for, like, one line. That would make me so happy. But anyway, totally unrelated. Should we jump into our episode for today that has nothing to do with Timmy? <laughs> well, okay. So we're talking about sports betting today, and um, mm-hmm. I feel like Timmy probably places some sports bets. I'm sure he does, right? Yeah, he's a big, like, Knicks fan, right? Yeah, sure he, he posted about Jalen Brunson on his story a few Ooh. weeks back, and he rarely posts on the story, so. That's true. Yeah, he's a rare story poster. Okay, but well, to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Timmy's also a clout chaser. I could see him just wanting to hang out with NBA players just for clout. True, true. Well, Timmy, let us know if you are into sports betting. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, we don't, well, I don't want to speak for you, Allie. I don't know much about it personally because I cannot say I'm just a big sports gal in general. But I do know that just in general, this has become such a big topic and it's really boomed over the past few years. Yeah, so. it, it's crazy. It's really taken off. I feel like it's hard. I mean, I feel like I... Everyone knows someone that does this, right? Like everyone knows mm-hmm. someone that's into sports betting that has the little app on their phone that's keeping the up with all the Kings. games, the yeah. DraftKings, whatever, the little ESPN app mm-hmm. betting thing that's in there. <laughs> right. But. Yeah. And I see like the ads for it all the time too. Oh like, my God. Yeah. Every time I come to visit you and I drive through New Jersey, mm-hmm. that's where I feel the ads are the worst. Like there's so many huge 
billboards everywhere. I mean, obviously we get ads like on our phones and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. yeah, the billboard ads in New Jersey are like comically huge and there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they get a lot of big, they get a lot of big names to like be in these ads, like big celebrities. That's true. Um, to represent, like I'm trying to remember if it was this, uh, the draft Kings, I want to say it was like Jamie Foxx or something yeah, maybe was, was on the billboard. Like, Huge celebrities. Huge celebs. Yeah. 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 So it's huge. It's legal now in 33 states and Washington, D.C. So. um, Wild. 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 Yeah. And I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, because honestly, like just like 100 years ago, it was completely illegal. (laughs) Yeah. That's, That's crazy. Yeah. I feel like. We're kind of in these different like waves of gambling in the in our country, at least in the U.S. Um, and it was one of those things that was illegal back. Like think about like the Prohibition era, like early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was like lots of forms of gambling that were illegal, like not oh, yeah. just sports betting. But um, we definitely have a history in this country of like we everyone loves to gamble, and we would like make it illegal. And then turn around, mm. make it legal again, turn around, make it illegal again. So we've right. definitely been very up and down on this on this issue. But we're definitely like kind of at the tail end of like probably what's the third wave of like legalized gambling in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it, it started sports betting in particular is one that's kind of not been regulated as much um, in the history of the United States, but like compared to like casinos and more like traditional forms of gambling. Exactly. Um, So I think that it be kind of became more prominent and uh, regulating it became more common in like the 20th century. And I think that this kind of coincided, um, especially in like the mid 20th century with this, these very, like, anti-mafia um, legislation and, like, JFK's, I think it was his younger brother that was, like, attorney general at the time that was, like, very anti-mafia. And mm-hmm. um, so during JFK's presidency, um, they basically passed some legislation that was, like, trying to cut down on this because there were a lot of, like, crime syndicates that were using sports betting as a way to, like basically just transfer a bunch of illicit funds like across state lines Mm -hmm. um and using that as kind of like the cover to it so to speak yeah pretty much and um and there were a lot of concerns about whether like sports betting would compromise the integrity of the sport (laughs) so (laughs) you know we can't have that we could have the integrity god forbid the sport is compromised right (laughs) um so i don't know did you hear of this um the black Sox scandal i did okay. yes that's the uh the 1919 world series right right which yeah they talk about in gatsby right, right. yeah <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> you're like yeah the only time i know about sports is if it intersects with anything leo dicaprio or yes. Gatsby related. but it was it was a really big deal it's like in the 1919 world series there were eight members of the chicago white Sox, mm-hmm. um which where they were playing the Cincinnati Reds at the time. Mm-hmm. And the Chicago White Sox were favored to win uh, the series. Um, but these eight members of the White Sox were basically, they were charged with intentionally losing the series to the mm-hmm. Cincinnati Reds um, because they were bribed 
$10,000 each by like a criminal gambling syndicate. So they threw the game because they were bribed. (laughs) Yeah, which is wild. And I did a little bit of research on what $10,000 would be today per player. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Did a little little inflation calculation and it comes out to about like 175K per player today, which like, of course, it's a lot. But think about how much athletes make now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like athletes maybe just didn't make as much money back at that time. So 10000 was a lot for them. But I feel like now, Probably I don't not. know. I don't think 175 k would be enough to actually change the integrity of the game for people yeah. to, like, purposely lose. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they definitely probably were not making what the equivalent uh, what the equivalence is of they're now like multi-million dollar contracts because mm-hmm. I mean at that time like probably there wasn't as huge monetization around professional sports I mean there were like games mm-hmm. people attended and everything but also there wasn't they weren't televised like there weren't True. the same kind of like ad revenue that and like so. the merchandise you know that so many of them make royalties on like mm-hmm. their lines of merchandise now and things right like, like that. that wasn't so, a thing back then yeah Michael Jordan so, yeah mm-hmm. yeah right, started that so anyway Wild. A little a little side note, but yeah, I mean, I feel like we probably don't see that much now, but that that's a great example of the whole like black box scandal and how that sort of like triggered, I think, the start of these kinds of conversations and regulations of that at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So I and I think um back to modern day, uh so the reason why we're kind of doing this pod and I feel like why sports betting has been talked about everywhere lately is um there was a recent supreme court case that came down in 2018 so about the time when this stuff started just booming right right um so there was a supreme court decision basically the case dealt with the state of new jersey wanted um this federal law which was called the professional and amateur sports protection act um they wanted this act overturned and this is because like new jersey wanted to regulate um, sports betting within its state lines. And they all, they are also alleging that they were missing out on like $600 million in like tax revenue over like these sports betting transactions. Wow. Yeah. And so states stand, they stand to make a lot of money off Mm -hmm. regulating these. And, and there's a lot of illegal betting that's going on. It's not like the betting wasn't happening. Like, it was happening. They just weren't able to, like, tax it and make money off of it. Right. Um, yeah, so, a concern. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this act basically prohibited all state-sanctioned sports betting. And um, there were just years of litigation behind this case of New Jersey really trying to ter- get this federal law overturned. Um, so this... This case that came out in 2018, the Supreme Court um, basically held that a, that a provision of this PASPA um, law that disallowed states from regulating sports betting was unconstitutional under the 10th Amendment for commandeering state authority to regulate gambling industries. Ooh, and- <laughs> commandeering. <laughs> that sounds so pirate, right? I know. I always <laughs> think Jack of Sparrow. Pirates of the Caribbean. I know. <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow, he's like, I'm going to commandeer your ship. Um, beautiful uh, thank you (laughs) (laughs) that was my my best (laughs) jack sparrow impersonation love it (laughs) um so so what does that mean in this context in this context yes it's it's not just pirate lingo it's also legal lingo um so in the context of the 10th amendment basically commandeering 
um, is when the federal government would forces states to pass or not pass certain legislation or forces states to enforce federal law. So basically, the idea is that Congress can regulate people or individuals in this country um, under federal law but and under the Constitution, um, but Congress can't regulate the states directly. Like, they mm-hmm. can indirectly regulate the states through legislation they pass, Um that, that applies to all of us, right? And mm-hmm. and there that is lovely interstate commerce clause, <gasps> right? I was about to get into that. So um, we love this in our con law uh, class. Do I'm we? Waiting. Do we love it? <laughs> <laughs> we like weeks and weeks on the interstate commerce clause. Right. Um, so the interstate commerce clause. For those who haven't read the Constitution, um, it is a very short document if you want to read it, but it might make no sense. Um, So the Interstate Commerce Clause basically gives Congress the power to regulate interstate commerce, and that is where Congress derives power to pass most of the legislation that it does um, that applies to states. Right. And so when we're talking about interstate commerce, we're just talking about, you know, commerce that is happening, like the buying or selling of goods or services like between states, right? Like that's kind of what we mean by interstate, yes. just breaking In, that down. Yeah, Right. Like the word, so the word interstate commerce, it's stuff mm-hmm. that's like multiple states are involved. Like it's going across one state's lines into another. Um, but intrastate commerce would be like commerce that occurs just within that state and it's not right. leaving that state. Um, mm-hmm. So... Anyway, so this this case is pretty interesting. I think that um, there, you know, this is obviously what caused the boom. Like a lot of states then legalized like sports betting within their states, um, and yeah, now so many allow it, which is just crazy. Mm-hmm. And I also think that this case is really interesting because of the possible precedent it sets in the future. I mean, there's definitely talk um, among like legal scholars, and I think also just people who really want. Um, marijuana to be legalized, but uh, there's mm-hmm. talk that maybe this could set precedent to then allow states to regulate marijuana industry and production like within state lines. So yeah, that would be super interesting to yeah. see if it does end up getting yeah used as precedent for other forms of uh, commerce that are not just sports betting. So yeah, and like although this decision is like completely like limited to this particular act with sports betting and everything, um, a lot of constitutional decisions can end up being you know used as precedent in other cases and applied by the Supreme Court um, in other cases to, like, justify their reasoning. So that's basically why people speculate that. Um, So we'll Mm -hmm. see if that's ever brought up. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but like you mentioned, you know, they it still can't cross state lines. So we're still talking about the intra right. versus the interstate. Um, and so part of that is has to do with the Interstate Wire Act of 1961. Um, so just wanted to bring that up quickly. That was passed um, during JFK's presidency. I know you mentioned him earlier about how like he was really big on just like curbing the mafia and all of that activity that was going on since that was really prevalent during that time of the mm-hmm. 50s and 60s. Um, and so that's been, you know, interpreted different differently over time, like from then till now. Obviously, we're talking a lot about online sports betting now and we're talking about right. these apps that you have. And that obviously was not a thing back at that time in the 50s and 60s. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that means when we're talking about interstate, you know, because back then you really did have to physically cross state lines. 
Um, but, but now, right. you know, it's like, you don't need to have that physical crossover. Um, so, so that'll right. be interesting. Yeah. And that was what the act was intending to prevent, right? Because exactly. this wire act, this idea that like these transactions, they were like wire transactions that were occurring over state lines. So that's how mm-hmm. they were able to get this act passed through Congress and regulate this activity. Um, yeah, it was kind because, of like, like that first branch from like the physical movement into right, yeah, right. something that was So the act was particular to sports betting because um, this is what I guess um, allegedly like the, the mafia was using a lot for their, these illicit transactions. But mm-hmm. um, the act particularly applied to wire communication facilities that are used for transmission um in uh, interstate commerce uh, for bets or wagers um, for any sporting event or contest. So basically that that language of like wire communication facility has now been applied to um, transactions that occur over the internet. Um, even though, right, like you said, the internet wasn't, wasn't a thing <laughs> um, yeah. back then. Uh, but um, like you said, it has been kind of, the language has been kind of interpreted differently over time. So... Mm-hmm. You know, there's been just several different like legal opinions and rulings. Like it's not really super clear, but um, basically the language of the act has been sometimes broadly applied to like all interstate gambling using the Internet. And then sometimes it's narrowly applied to just sports betting using the Internet. So it's still kind of a gray area um, on how like how far of a reach it could be applied. Yeah. 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 So we'll see. That's just another thing. Like, in addition to the case you brought up that could be used as precedent in other areas and things like that, this Interstate Wire Act is definitely something that still exists and is still there and, you know, could be used in other industries as well, just like you said, not just sports betting. So we'll see. Yeah. But it is important to know that, like, so, yes, like, it is – these sports betting wagers that cross state lines are still illegal under this Interstate Wire Act, um, but enforcement – of this act is, is typically against like institutions that break the law, not individuals. So, you know, if it's like our TikTok bill, <laughs> right? So if, yeah. if draft Kings is allowing you to place bets with people across state lines, like then draft Kings would be breaking this, this law. It's not um, like your responsibility as a app user to be like up to date on all. Well, I, I will just say like, I don't, I don't think that the DOJ is seeking like individual mm-hmm. people who are placing these individual bets. They're more so, like trying to crack down in the institutions from allowing the bets to be placed. Kind of like what we talked about with the whole like TikTok thing. Is it like, you know, Montana's not trying to like go after every single individual person that breaks the law. They're trying to really yeah. cut, crack, crack down on the institutions that are allowing people to break the law. Um, I think mm-hmm. that all of everything that we've been talking about and all of the prominence of the sports betting now and how just like widespread it is mm-hmm. um, has really raised a lot of, I don't know. It's raised a lot of a lot of feelings. I feel like a lot of concerns about what it what it means for people to be um, doing this on a regular basis. And you know, I think from from a morality standpoint, I, don't, I mean, I don't. I personally don't feel like there's anything morally wrong with with gambling. I think that that's a lot of times like why <laughs> these these like gambling laws and restrictions have existed over time is there is kind of like a moral background of like it's a vice you know like the way that like drinking is a vice like that prohibition era Mm -hmm. laws and that um, kind of old mindset I remember there was one of our do you remember one of our cases in law school where it talked about like 
all of these things. There was an uncle, and he said that he would give a certain amount of money to his son or to his nephew if he, like, stayed away from gambling and billiards and, like, all of these different, like, lists of, like, immoral vices. Yeah, totally. Like, cursing and stuff. Yeah, that was in our contracts (laughs) class. And basically, like, yes, I remember the nephew, like, tried to sue the uncle because when he turned 18 and he was like, I gave up billiards. I gave up (laughs) up gambling. Stop. Now I'm thinking about little women that scene. (laughs) Right. I gave up everything for you. you. And I never complained because I thought you'd love me, Joe. Um, (laughs) But yeah, he was very mad and he sued his uncle because he was like, you owe me money because you, yeah, I, I, I gave up all these things you told me to give up. Mm, yeah we can talk about that in another episode anyway I just thought about that because it was it's to your point it is something that like traditionally has been like an immoral thing and I don't think that today that's the reason why like these intentions upon Uh regulating it are so big no well now it's more about the financial right Mm -hmm. like all the regulation is like who's getting the money like over for these transactions Mm -hmm. um because like the American Gaming Association estimates that there's like 150 billion of illegal wagering on sports every year. Wild. <laughs> 150 wild. billion. So like these the states that are like trying to, you know, finally regulate this and everything within their own state lines and everything, they're just trying to make money, you know. Yeah. This is a huge revenue uh for for different states. So it's definitely can be a huge um it can definitely be a big economic boost. For um, sure. But I also think And that's think- just the illegal right like right right but if they start regulating it and legalize Mm -hmm. it within their own states then they're capturing that yeah now it's legal revenue and everything right um but if it's illegal right they can't be taxing it exactly (laughs) (laughs) there's no way to there's no way to regulate it um so uh, but i think you know all that being said is even with that huge um economic growth potential within state lines and everything it it you know that comes at a cost to individuals because mm-hmm. there there's a huge increase in gambling debt now um yeah. i think that's that's something to consider um you know on on average like the wages for gamblers has has been decreasing you know whether that's because of inflation like salaries not keeping up with inflation mm-hmm. um various various reasons why wages have remained stagnant over time but um but the percentage of people's income that are used for gambling is very quickly rising. Yeah. So on top of that, I think that, you know, I, I there's some ethical concerns with companies that are may, stand to make a lot of money off of um, off of the sports betting and off of people's I mean, frankly, off of people's addictions. Um, and there's like a, like an incredible ad frenzy and it seems like advertisers are kind of getting on top of it where they're like including the numbers for gambling addiction hotlines, like at the bottom of these ads. Um, cause I'm thinking like kind of comparing to like the way that cigarettes have been advertised, like over, over time in this country where, um, you know, kind of like disclaimers need to be used. And, but now there's a lot more regulation where cigarettes basically it's very limited how they're allowed to advertise cigarettes because of the extreme health concerns that, um, cigarettes pose. So, I think that we're kind of going to maybe lean in that direction because gambling addiction is becoming very quickly one of the most serious addictions. Yeah, no, I think that it's a really good point that you bring up that it's more than just the debt, although that is a huge issue. It's also become an addiction. I mean, it's a mental health issue as well. And so I think that that's something that is 
newly being recognized. And I think it's important, just like you said, that they're using language and the advertising to help sort of combat this and, um, you know, hopefully get ahead of it, you know, before it becomes a bigger issue than it is. Um, but really in the past few years, like since the case that you mentioned in 2018, Till now, the experts have estimated that there is a 30% increase in gambling addiction during that time. And so that's wild. That's wild to think about. And I'm sure the pandemic like did not help with that at all because, you know, no. people were sitting around. Yeah. And um, so I, I think that and, and, and definitely the age group that this affects and the gender that this affects is like young men primarily, like young men in their like late teens or early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also a very high increase in people of that age group who have attempted suicide or who've had suicidal thoughts. Um, and it's actually the, the highest rate of suicide or attempted suicide of any addiction which is wow. really wild to think about. I mean, I think that like those numbers are there and those are real things. And, um, you know, I think that there's still a lot of people who don't even think about this as an addiction because like you said, everyone knows somebody who does this. Like mm -hmm. even if you don't do it yourself, you have people in your close circles, your family, your, you know, coworkers, your yeah. book clubs, church groups, whatever it is. Like I think everybody knows someone or is a part of a group like this. And, um, like I think you it's said, just, it's it's like a social activity, right? Yeah. Like it's. I feel like sports betting has just become this extension of sports. So, like we've mentioned that we are not super interested in sports, but many people are, you know, very invested in um, in sports. And because gambling has become very attached, it's become it's it's just like you can't watch a game without placing bets now. Like a lot of people that are really into it. They're like, yeah, like their friends, like they have like a group text. That they're all like, mm -hmm. what are we wagering on on this game tonight? You know, the playoffs are yeah, going are on picks? right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I feel like I've been seeing that everywhere because, you know, the, like the NBA playoffs are going on. And I think that um, it's hard to resist when it's like peer pressure, right? Like it's hard to resist drinking when you go out with a group of friends that are all drinking. You know, if you have an addiction, it's just so normalized. I think people, people almost don't really even think about it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's the same with like gambling now. It's like... You're out in a group of friends watching game. Everyone's placing bets. You're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm just I'm just participating with what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, and it is very sad to me how it's not really taken seriously by the group of people that are doing it. So like it is particularly like men, I feel like, that aren't acknowledging that this is a serious problem. Yeah. And to your point, like I feel like people think that they have control over it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like they don't realize like where that changes when like they don't have control of this and it becomes an addiction. And I think because it, it is different from other forms of gambling, right? Where it is just all chance. Like I think people are like, well, I know the teams. Like I follow these teams. These are my players. I know mm -hmm. them. Like I have a better chance at winning because there's some skill involved. And like, I'm not saying there's zero skill, but there's always going to be no. a huge percentage that's chance. There's that's basically undeniable. zero skill. Like look at any studies about it. Like yeah. it's a hundred percent chance. Like it is, these are all chance-based bets. I think this is the problem, right? This is why so many people get into it um, mm -hmm. because suppose so many men get into it is because they think, I know the sport. I know the sport really well. I mm -hmm. know my team. I know these teams. I keep up with all these games. Like I have all these statistics like that support my bets. Like I feel like they, they feel that they are rationalizing it 
and yeah. that's fine. Like if you, if you feel like that's what you want to do and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, just know that it's chance. Like mm-hmm. I feel you just need to know that it is chance. It's not skill. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, um, there's a lot of accounts now. Like, I don't know if you've seen, like there are accounts that you can like basically subscribe to where people follow like the stock market and they're like, Hey, you know, follow me and you see like all the stocks I trade on a daily basis. And you can just replicate that and like try to make a lot of money in the stock market. Um, is now people are doing that with sports betting. So they're like, having people subscribe to them in order to um, follow all the bets that they place. And they and they advertise it very much as like, it's a skill. I have a skill for sports betting. Mm-hmm. And if you follow me, you can make money too. But it's very yeah. predatory because, I mean, those people are obviously just concerned with making money through their own subscribers. And yeah, at the end of the day, it's mm-hmm. important to it's know like that a, it's it is. It's giving MLM vibes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's just so important to know that at the end of the day that it is chance. Um, yeah. And you should not be, you know, putting the food that you need to you know, or the, or the money that you need to eat food that week into mm-hmm. sports betting. Like you're not going yeah. to... Um, you're not going to make all that back through the sports betting. I, I think that's the no. common, uh, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter sentiment. how, right. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many hours you put into it, how well, you know, your team, like I think about, um, you know, silver linings playbook. That's one of my favorite movies. Mm, love that movie. Love that movie. But I think about Robert De Niro's character and he is this kind of guy, you know, he's a huge Eagles fan mm-hmm. and he does all of these little superstitions before the games, you know, wears certain jerseys, has his remotes all aligned, like holds on to his lucky handkerchief, all this stuff. And he is, you know, waging a lot of money on these games and he truly believes that like he has a better chance because he does all these rituals and things and he knows the yeah. players, and he knows the game. And I mean, you know, I think that that's like his character is fun in that movie. It's a great film, but like, I I just think that's dangerous when people do, like you just said, like it is all chance. And when people think that they have some type of ability to overcome that chance and take control over it, that's when I think this can transfer from just a fun social activity that you're doing into an unhealthy, dangerous addiction. Yeah. Really well said. Yeah. So not to be a downer, you know, yeah. we, I, we, I know that it can be a lot of fun and it's, you know, it's not a big deal. You're placing a wager when you're watching a game. Um, as long as you're, like you said, as long as you know that um, you're financially in control of the situation and everything. So I think we should move on to a lighter note because I'm feeling <laughs> I sad. <laughs> I know. I'm feeling stressed. Uh, yeah. A little smash your pass moment. <laughs> I recently listened to a podcast that I feel like is kind of applicable to the conversation we're having today, mm-hmm. um, but it's called Man Enough. Uh, it's, yes. I've heard of that one. It's um, Justin Baldoni's one. Yes. yes I just, love him. Yes. Justin Baldoni. I love him in um, Jane the Virgin. Mm-hmm. And I had not listened to it um, until recently. And I just listened to like one or two episodes and I thought it was really great. Like I definitely highly recommend it. It's a smash um, for anyone who's interested. It's kind of like uh, doing this perspective of like feminism through like a man's like lens kind of thing. And I just think it's, it's very informative and really well done. And yeah, I think, I think everyone should yeah, listen. It's great. I had listened to one of the episodes on there. He, I know this won't mean anything to you because you don't watch Grey's Anatomy, but Dr. DeLuca is one of the characters on there. His name's Giacomo Giannotti and he interviewed him on one of them. So I listened to that one. I thought it was really good. 
Um, and I listened to another one on there too, just about like male friendships and yeah. like men checking in on each other and telling their friends that they love them, you know, and like why these things are tend to be a lot easier for female friends to say to each other, you know, like like women just tend to like check in more on their friends and say they love them. And for men growing up in this, yeah, like toxic masculinity culture are taught. Which they that, don't like, like that. They don't right, like that term on that the show. Word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're like, that, that implies that like all masculinity is, is toxic or something. That's true. Um, yeah, which I thought was true. interesting because I'd it never thought about that before. And um, I think that, yeah, I think it's really great for like supporting um like having support system for men but also like that acknowledges like the importance of, of feminism in our society and mm-hmm. um yeah they have so many cool guest guest stars on there yeah they have cool people on there so yeah it, it's great of like reframing these things from like this is a masculine thing this is a feminine thing like no like you know we can all learn from these more emotional qualities and um you know it's it's cool to be a feminist and i think it's more than just uh, men being supportive of the women in their lives. It's mm-hmm. also like feminism benefits men too. Of men. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. both being supportive of each other and that like mm-hmm. taking up, um, it's not that like, yes, yeah, like giving power to women is not taking away power from men. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like trying to like debunk that narrative that like it's a zero sum game. If we allow women yeah. to have power in our society, that means we have to take away power from men. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not the way it is, but that's a lot of times the way it's, framed by people who are just scared of change I think um yeah there's not a finite amount of power (laughs) we're creating more power by having (laughs) these conversations and yes so it's cool yeah definitely a smash go listen to man enough yeah amazing (laughs) well so I did have another one but you know what I think we're running out of time so I'll just I'll bring that one maybe next week and um yeah so for our last episode for our last (laughs) episode oh y'all I can't believe later babes thank you for listening to this episode of licensed to gossip Tune in next week for more juicy hot goss with a legal twist. This episode is produced by Ryko Theatricals. Follow us on all the socials at License to Gossip and DM us to share your thoughts on our latest debrief. Don't forget, I'm Allie. And I'm Noelle. Later, Later babes. babes.